Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Recalibrating the Scales. I'm your host and Chief Executive Resolutionist, Normia Vasquez-Scales, at your disposal. Ladies and gentlemen, burning the ship and betting on you. So welcome back yet again, my dearest listeners. As the season unfurls and sheds the effervescence of a searing hot sizzling summer, yielding the fruits of the harvest and new energy and inviting, tantalizing, sprightly new energy engulfs us all. The harvest that I allude to there's a name, a name which is which is lush, ripe for the taking. But are you privy to that name? A name that inevitably taunts us, seduces us, in a myriad of regards. And its name is passion-fueled fulfillment. Passion-fueled fulfillment, ladies and gentlemen. Yet, it comes with a price. None other than incessant, consistent, unwavering faith amid conscientious works and the audacity to burn the ship, as I've noted in the title. The audacity to burn the ship by virtue of betting on you. So are you ready to navigate, or rather brave, the waters of the sea of fulfillment, my dearest listeners? If so, I applaud you for your courage, strength, and tenacity. Your priceless bounty awaits you. In the words of a wise soul, I quote, If your ship doesn't come in, swim out to it. (laughs) Trust and believe I'm heeding my own wise counsel as always in sound conscience conscious, holding myself accountable no differently than I would advise each and every other entity, including yet not limited to myself. Yes, so I'm indeed immersed in this challenge, this daunting yet rewarding undertaking of burning my own figurative ship, and fervently implore you all to do the same. So on the ripe early evening of this forthcoming Sweet Saturday, September 30th, 2023. I'm poised to formally introduce and unveil my Recalibrating the Scales Art of Manifestation coaching and consulting endeavor. So this complimentary, yes, it's free to the community, it's open to all, but this complimentary meet and greet will unfold here at our very own Oasis of Cardmill Mall, located at 200 North Greensboro Street, Carborough, North Carolina, 27510. Yes, Oasis, but you know, governed by proprietor Robert Rostand, ladies and gentlemen. 
So come one, come all, my dearest listeners. The doors will be open to you. Void of pressure, of course. Absolutely no pressure nor frills. You can count on that. Yet simply a welcome embrace. Again, this complimentary event is also published on Eventbrite and is titled The Recalibrating the Scales, Art of Manifestation, Coaching, Meet, and Greet. I've conclusively discovered after much deliberation that committing to my divinely bestowed life's mission, passion, purpose, and calling to aid others to mutually burn their figurative ships, betting on themselves, and seize their birthrights. Yes, we're entitled. The birthrights to mutually live abundant and fulfilling lives is deemed relatively appropriate. Now it's your turn. This is redemption year. It's time to purge and forego and dismantle stifling and limiting beliefs spawned by the naysayers, the naysaying inner and outer voices, which plague us all. Torment is more the word. (laughs) So it's time to change your trajectory, rewrite your story, alter your personal narratives, and claim that which you seek. Remember, and here's a quote, another quote, great love and great achievements involve great risks for the Dalai Lama. One of my most prized quotes, according to B.C. Forbes, states that history has demonstrated that the most notable winners usually encountered heartbreaking obstacles before they triumphed. They won because they refused to become discouraged by their defeats. I rest my case, ladies and gentlemen. Simply stated, in the words of a fellow coach, you deserve more. Are you ready to jump, ladies and gentlemen? I can personally attest to the the portals that have opened for me time after time, score upon score upon taking healthy, sound leaps of faith amid my entire book of life. It served me absolutely well overall. I can do the same for you in exchange. So, let's go. So now let's turn to the shared findings of others which divulge further information, expounding upon the concept of the aforementioned burn the ship and betting on you. All right, so let's pivot. And here's one um, on medium.com, burning the ships. Title, Burning the Ships, The Proven Way to Breakthrough Motivation by Rich Oban. And uh, paraphrasing the author, he notes, Have you ever heard the expression, quote, burn the ships? That, said, that saying has a lot to do with motivation, and you can use it to your advantage in life. So in our vernacular, the expression burn the ships has come to mean eliminating all your options so that, that there is only one path forward. The history of burning your ships. The saying is rooted in several military conquests of the last 2,000 years. There is Julius Caesar's attack on Britain in 55 BC, Alexander the Great's battle against Persia, and Cortez's attack on the Aztec Empire in 1519. So while researching this topic, the author found similar examples from Burma in 1538 and China in 207 BC. 
So today the wording burn the ships is more symbolic, since the ships were sometimes sunk or destroyed by some other means, and in one case there were no ships at all. Rather, a Chinese general ordered a bridge destroyed after his troops crossed a river to battle their larger and stronger enemy. So while the details vary, the general storyline goes that a military leader is faced with daunting odds, often outmanned and outgunned by his opponent by five or even ten to one. He realizes that his troops are demoralized and likely to, dis- to desert him if they know they have the option of retreat. So, to eliminate that option, he orders his ships to be burned, which creates a much much higher level of commitment and motivation. So why does it work for the author? It seems logical that in life or death scenarios like these, a person would be supremely motivated. But this concept, this idea, even work, can even work in non-life-threatening situations. Psychologically, there are a couple of reasons for the author that it works so well, so efficiently. The first reason is pretty obvious, and it's the one described in the examples above. Fear of potential pain. But the potential pain doesn't need to be torture and or death for it to provide sufficient motivation. In fact, it doesn't even need to be physical pain. The second reason burning the ships works is because it can cause psychological or emotional discomfort. This discomfort can manifest itself as embarrassment loss of social status, or being shunned by your social circle, or even society as a whole. Thousands of years ago, being shunned by your clan was usually a death sentence, so human beings have developed an instinctive desire to seek acceptance by our peers. One of the primary ways we do that is to maintain consistency between our words and actions. So this desire for consistency is one of the primary tools of influence as described by Dr. Robert Cialdini in his landmark book, Influence the Psychology of Persuasion. So armed with this knowledge, a shrewd person can influence, and some would say manipulate, another person by exploiting this trait. But this knowledge doesn't only have to be wielded by other people. You can use it to your own advantage by burning your own ships. So don't go down with a ship. Unfortunately, the most common way that people unwittingly, unwittingly burn their own ships is by procrastination, the demon seed procrastination. When you leave something undone until the last minute, you invoke both aspects of this psychological tactic. Rushing to finish the task or project at the last minute or at the final hour, 11th hour, will undoubtedly cause you pain in the form of stress, lots of hard work, and probably lost sleep. It also likely has the potential to cause you social embarrassment and loss of status if you don't complete or do a poor job. So procrastination is not the way to use this tactic to your advantage. If you want to take advantage of the social element of burning the ships, you need to make a public commitment about something that you want to accomplish. But where you have struggled with motivation in the past, the author needs to make an important aside, a point here. It's critical that whatever you commit to aligns with your values, or you may set yourself up to, to fail prior to even commencing. 
So going public, this idea of using public commitment to inspire motivation is used by many organizations, for instance, ones geared toward weight loss with those groups who publicly declare a weight, a weight goal and then attend weekly weigh-ins in front of your peers. So while there is so certain, certainly, pardon me, social pressure applied by that kind of a commitment, it doesn't inspire the kind of motivation that you require to achieve the maximum chance of success. So if you don't stick to your diet and as a result, don't make your weight goal, you will experience some social and psychological discomfort. However, the, those consequences aren't significant enough to overcome other factors that may be obstructing you. To do that, you need to up your game. For example, let's say you want to do charity work, but you never seem to find the time to participate in local events. You could volunteer to lead a committee that raises money to fund scholarships for the local children and low-income families. Failing to fund those scholarships would have some pretty severe social consequences for the families who depend upon them and would thus provide plenty of motivation. So if you want to lose weight but can never stick, stick with an exercise routine, you could solicit donations to a local charity that require you to complete a, 10, a 10K run or triathlon in a time that you know is a stretch for you. You would tell the charity about your commitment and their anticipation of those much needed donations would provide the social pressure. So it is critical to note that your progress must be clearly visible, not just the pro proclamation of your commitment and the end result. Otherwise, you lose the benefit of the social pressure to keep you moving forward. It is even more effective if your progress is obvious without you having to communicate it to everyone. So if your status updates are the only way people know how you're doing, you'll be more inclined to forget to send those updates when things aren't going so well. So fear is your friend. If you want to utilize the fear element of burning the ships, you need to make a commitment that will cause your significant physical discomfort if you do not accomplish the goal. For instance, let's say you want to grow your business revenue by 100% in one year, but you never take the time to plan how you're going to do it. You could negotiate a contract with a customer that would help you achieve that goal if executed well, but that would put a severe strain on your business if you don't perform. When faced with the possibility of losing your business and your source of income, you will be extremely motivated to do whatever it takes to make it work. If you're creative, there are many different ways, a myriad of ways, that you can use this approach to increase motivation for things that you want to achieve. There you have it. All right. So here is another, okay, this is the centerforsalesstrategy.com, titled Burn Your Ships, A History Lesson About How to Be a Great Leader by John Henley. So again, it refers to history, there's a reference to Cortez, and uh, you know, the author notes that as leaders taking our people into new territories, as unknown and potentially hazard, hazardous as did Cortez, we need to ensure that we are leading that there is no turning back. 
So, what does burning the ships mean today? But we've established this, but let's get this particular particular author's perspective. So, the author notes that we're long past the days of conquistadors, but the story of burning the ships is, a, is as relevant as ever. So, he's assuming that you're, he's, you're, you're already considering, you're thinking of some aspect of your company that requires or warrants attention right now, that warrants your leadership. So if you leave the ships in the harbor, you will peop- your people will see that you're not fully committed to the transition that's necessary. If you're not fully committed, why should they be? So by burning the ships, by removing any available path, Back to the previous way, your team will become as fully committed as you obviously are. So here are some examples uh, from organs, the organizations that this particular author works with. One is commit to a new sales structure. When you commit to a new sales structure, commit to it in every single way and make sure everyone on your team can see that you are. Two. Update sales talent. If you need to upgrade your sales talent, select the right tool. Use it fully and consistently, and don't waver in your use of it. Three, eliminate dead weight. Remove people who are standing in the way, obstructing you, and standing in the way, obstructing the organization from progressing. And then lastly, embrace new training. So. If the team is adopting a new training program, be certain that they're fully immersed in it and that they're implementing the practices. So burning your ships doesn't mean that you cannot ever change course, or as I've noted, change your, your, your trajectory or your narrative or decide that a certain pursuit is, isn't working. But no change process has a change of working or chance of working if ships are still in the harbor. So burn them. Force commitment. And then watch, wait, and see what happens. Alright. Let's explore one more. Okay. And this one is titled Betting on Yourself. I'm wholeheartedly in agreement. This is by an author uh, written by Arabola Alabi. So and it's on media, medium.com. So paraphrasing the author, the abridged version notes that the author says that it, it is only by betting on yourself that you will be able to rise up and reach your potentials. So the author recently explored an article in which the author had written about some distinguishing traits of self-made billionaires. The article spurred his thought processes about these self-made billionaires and the rest of the people who struggled to make ends meet. So it spurred him to question, why is it that some people seem to have more than enough while billions of others are scraping by? So how did one man amass wealth to the tune of $150 billion, yet in the same country, millions of people do not have $150 in their bank accounts? So is there anything special about these self-made millionaires? Are they more intelligent than the rest of us? Are they smarter? Do they have a better education? So if you check properly, you will find out that the answer 
is negative. It's no. So, okay, what is it then that helped them to attain a billionaire status? Is it luck? Is it luck is is the reason that most people often give when they talk about highly successful people? They will say it's just luck. But trust me, according to the author, he says you don't become a billionaire by sheer luck. You can argue that some, some inherit their wealth, but notice that we're talking about the self-made billionaires, not those that inherited their wealth. Is it hard work is another question. So he's certain uh, that they work hard, but so are the billions of other hardworking people who still find it hard to accumulate any level of wealth. Another question, is it a college degree? Again, the answer will be no, because many college-educated professors still struggle financially. According to the article, the self-made billionaires are so because they made a bet on themselves. The rest of us don't do that often enough. Instead, we place our bet on college education. Think about it. Why did you study your degree program? For the most part, you do so so that after college you can find a job and work to earn a living. Employer. After college, we place another bet on our employers. That business will do will continue to do well and we will continue to receive our salary. And that one day, one day, we will retire. Hopefully, we will have saved enough money to take care of us during our retirement. So government, if you're in the U.S., and if you're counting on your social security checks, you're invariably placing a bet on the U.S. government that it will keep the faith and be there to take care of you in the future. This may not be the case with some third world countries with no social safety nets. So most people find it rather hard or rather hard to place a bet on themselves, but we have confidence in others. If you can flip that equation and begin to put some faith in yourself, you will be able to maximize your potentials. So Jeff Bezos, the Amazon founder, may not be known today if he did not bet on himself. He quit his high-paying investment banking job to start his own business. And today, he's worth over $180 billion. Elon Musk bet on himself by starting multiple companies, PayPal, SpaceX, and Tesla. Today, he is worth over $140 billion. Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, is a man that also bet on himself. He did so by dropping out of Harvard to start his own business. And today, he's worth over $120 billion. Bernard Arnault, the chairman and CEO of Louis Vuitton, placed a bet on none other than himself. And he built a business empire in the fashion industry. Today, He's worth over $100 billion. Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook also bet on himself. He dropped out of Harvard to start Facebook. He's been able to attract billions of people to his platform, and in return, he got a monetary reward. Today, he is worth over $100 billion. So, obviously, it's not every business owner that will become millionaires or billionaires. Still, the first step, that journey of a thousand miles, is to, the first step to attaining that status must start with people having confidence in themselves. 
that they can achieve their financial dreams. So to be successful at anything we do, we must learn to bet more on ourselves. We must be able to build confidence in ourselves and follow our dreams, to fully maximize our potentials and live life to the fullest. We must bet on ourselves. Here's some reasons why people don't bet on themselves. Fear of failure. If you let your concern of failing and your endeavor dominate your thoughts, you will find it challenging to move towards your destiny. So the author cautions not allowing the fears of failing hold you back in life. Failure is not a permanent condition. You you learn from your experience and you keep moving forward. It's another question. People's opinions. So what would people say if I do that? What would they say think of me? If you evaluate all your decisions based on people's opinions, it will be difficult to accomplish any meaningful thing. You should follow your instincts. Here's another. Here's some other ways that you could commence betting on yourselves. One is to have a clear vision. Without a clear vision of what you want in life, it is impossible to know what you want in life. Your vision will be a guide as you make progress towards your goals. Two, build confidence. Every worthwhile endeavor will take time to come to fruition. If you're launching a business today, it probably won't become a a multi-billion dollar business within just a week or month of starting. But that shouldn't stop you from starting anyway. It takes time to build massive success. So start small, build your confidence and faith and the ability in your ability and continue to make progress. So, sorry, let's tackle and explore one more. Alright. So, learn better, learn, become better, and give back. That's another. So, as you continue to move forward, ensure that you're learning and improving so that you can become better at what you do. Another uh, way to bet on yourself is to build confidence. Every worthwhile endeavor will take some time. We've established that. But you start small, you build your confidence and faith in your ability, and you keep making strides. Here's what it means to bet on yourself. You put your faith in God's ability, your God's given ability, by betting on yourself. And it indicates that you're willing to do your part so that you can fulfill your dreams. So go ahead and bet on yourself. Go ahead and write that book. Go ahead and start that business. Go ahead and take a chance on love. Go ahead and compose that music. Go ahead and seize your birthright to abundance, to wellness. Go ahead and run for that political office. Go ahead and apply for that position in in your office. It is only by betting on yourself that you will be able to rise and ascend and reach your potentials. You have what it takes to achieve your goals, but you must bet on yourself. All right, and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. 
So I'd like to again applaud my behind-the-scenes team, Bradley, for all of your unwavering support amid the years, coupled with you amplifying, magnifying listeners, spanning and speckling the globe. Please bear in mind that your this radio show does indeed rest upon your very broad shoulders, so I humbly implore your, your continued listenership. I'd like to also please humbly invite you and cordially invite you to again join me and a cluster of others for a casual meet, greet, and introduction of the Recalibrating the Scales Art of Manifestation Coaching and Consulting Endeavor. It unfolds this sweet Saturday, sweet September 30th from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Oasis of Carmel Mall, located again at 200 North Greensboro Street, Carborough, North Carolina, 27510. I hope to see you there. Yet in the interim, and until the next episode, this is Normia Vasca Scales, signing off.